So this episode, episode three. Episode three is Competition Kills. Wow. We're Competition Kills. We're an awful lot of people with this episode, okay? In fact, I've upset an awful lot of people my whole life by telling them that competition actually kills competitive advantage. It doesn't grow it. Hello, and welcome to Humanising, the podcast that allows you to understand how you've been programmed by both evolution and culture, so you can liberate any behaviour you choose and be who you'd like to be today. I'm Ginny. I'm the map holder. I'd like to introduce Marheen. Hello. Marheen is the explorer, and together we will journey through this programming so you can understand through the questions you ask and definitely the questions Maheen asks how to liberate yourself and be the most amazing person that you choose to be. So for those of you who were here for episode two, we touched on this slightly um, in the episode when does failure become wrong. We dipped in a little bit to what happens at, at the competitive stage of pushing yourself and if failure is a part of that, how that can have an impact. So this is an episode dedicated entirely to this topic. Yeah, this is entirely to on competition. competition. And also how not only are you taught to compete with yourself, so that's what we're talking about in the other episodes, is you're taught to compete with yourself. You're taught to compete with yourself in almost an amphitheatre when you're bound to fail because... You can only win in that amphitheatre if you're perfect. And therefore, you are always destined to fail, so you're always destined to undermine yourself, so you never try. This time, I'd like us to look slightly wider than that and go, okay, what are the models of competition we've been given? Because they actually mean that we do not, not just grow and change, but we are uncompetitive in an evolutionary sense as in we are limiting our own survival here's the thing okay because if, if you could actually be in the room Mahin's pulling a face at me um <laughs> i'll tell you why so i want you to imagine this situation and this is a situation that happens in every single company i've ever worked for sales teams are the people who go out and bring back the work, as it were, whether it's they've got an order and we make something, whether you're a consultancy and you then go and work for an organisation, you've got to, salespeople go out and hunt. Let's consider salespeople hunters. So they go out and do this. And the way we manage salespeople is we tell them that we are going to pay them more money if they beat another person in their sales team. They come top if they sell more than anyone else. And you go, yeah, great methodology, wonderful. That person goes out, brings back more deals than someone else. We'll pay them more. I always thought this was really strange because why is my competition the person next to me and not someone else trying to get the same customer as me? Because if I think about that situation, and I've been there, I go out, I'm really good, I get loads of deals, I come in, I, I get to, I don't know, 
gone holiday to America. Yeah, it did happen once. But if I'm told I can, I, I must be top, so therefore I go out and do this, I learn all of these things about how the market works, how the company works, how my competition works. I'm never going to share that with anyone else in my team, let alone my company, because then I, I won't be able to come top because the knowledge I've learned allows me to become top in this little unit. Yet, it would be far more of competitive advantage to everyone in this organisation, and especially in the team I'm working, if I shared why I was brilliant, what I'd learned, what knowledge I'd brought back that allowed me to land more sales than anyone else. But the way you manage me, I'm never going to share, because then I won't be top. And if I won't be top, I won't earn more money and I won't get to go on that holiday to America. So it is counterintuitive for you as, a, as an organisation to pay me more just for the deals I bring in. I'm never going to share. I think the competition is that person next to me in my sales team. Why would I share? Now, if we stop for a minute and then think, let's go back a bit more than 5,000 years ago, let's go back into evolutionary times where when we worked as teams, and we did, you know, and all, all of the research, everyone goes, um, human beings worked as teams to survive. And let's say it's April and we've eaten all our winter stores and we're hungry. And I find a plant which I've worked out edible. But if I just survive, sorry, I can't survive by myself, right? Because I need, I need other people to do the things they were doing so I can survive as well. If I, as a, as a human being, never shared with anyone else, I might live a bit longer, but I'm never going to live a long time because I needed them to help me because I couldn't do all the things by myself. So I would have come back and shared and told everyone, this is a great plant, let's all share it. And we'd all have a better chance of surviving because we were together. So the way we've been taught to manage competition and business and even and team stuff and anything is wrong because competition kills humanity and competition kills evolution if I am viewing the person next to me as competition, not someone competing as well for my customers or an environment, okay, or a just a situation. So we have to share. And there's some amazing research out about this. Um, it's done in American sports teams. And as we all know, awful lot of money, it's sport in America. And let's take a basketball team, for example. Now, the research basically shows that if you pay – people disparate amounts. So if you pay a defend, uh, defender, no, if you pay an attacker more money for scoring a goal, especially if it's an important goal, then believe it or not, the whole performance of the team over that season goes down. Naturally, or not naturally, we are told that if we paid the person who scores most of the goals more money for scoring more goals, like the salesperson, then the team wins more. It doesn't. And there's a very interesting mechanism that happens in that process is when that attacker then goes to go and score the goal, what happens in their unconsciousness, what they do is their behavior becomes more risky. 
So they take more risks than they usually would have done because they're going to earn something more by themselves. If you removed that monetary thing and let's say paid the whole team for winning more, what happens is that person will pass to set up a less risky shot at goal where they've got more likelihood of winning overall as a team. So what we've done is by chasing the so-called American dream, which is I'm an individual, I succeed by myself, I destroy everyone else, or I stand on the heads, you are destroying what it is to be human. Because human beings literally are hardwired to work together and to share data information and knowledge. Now, this is a thing I know people are going to hate because if you think of that concept, that's how we've all been brought up. It's me alone against the universe, which is horribly not human. And horribly lonely. Oh, hugely. And actually feels horrible. You know, we all need people to connect with. We all need people to talk to. We need people to support us. We need people around us so that when we are pushing ourselves, be it into a competitive state for whatever reason or, you know, pushing through things, you have those people that you fall back on that support you, that encourage you, that, you know, it's not just only you. We are a community. We are a community. I'm afraid Margaret Thatcher was wrong. We are a community, okay? There's, there's, there, uh, you know, the thing is that there's no such thing as community society is wrong. Human beings are essentially a communal group of people who do things as a group. And again, we'll come on to this when we look at change, transformation, and evolution. But specifically on this competition thing, you can sort of see how it began to happen, okay? Because in the last 150 years, and that's nothing in 7.5 million years of human evolution. You know, it, it's not even a blink of an eye. But in the last 150 years, we've managed in most societies to create enough wealth that I can survive by myself, right? I don't need anyone else. I go out, I do work, I get money for the work I've done, I can look after myself. This is the first time in human history this has ever happened. Okay, even in our lifetime or my lifetime, anyway, um, you know, there used to have to be a couple, right? Two people work together to do this, and yet in my lifetime, we've then been told, no, you've got to do it yourself. You have to be an economic unit in your own right. Okay, you have to survive by yourself. It's not a partnership. It's not teamwork. Even just you know, a partner with whoever your significant other would be. So we've reduced the survival unit from a group of people and got smaller and smaller and smaller till now it's an individual. Now, that for me is dehumanization to a point I believe is scary. You know, it's affecting our whole survival as a human race. The fact that I think I can survive by myself because I've been told everyone else is my competition. And they're not. Gosh, yes. It's so big when you think about it, isn't it? Because you have people who push and push and push themselves to be better, in air quotes, than other people, overriding what's good or best for them in order to... um, beat the competition yeah and who is that competition so going back to the podcast after we were taught that our competition is ourselves right because if i fail i'm stupid 
Um, and now we're saying, actually, it's not just that, but I compete not only against myself, but I can, I'd be competing against you. For what, right? There are more resources now within this um, globe than there ever be, right? If everything, and now, um, now there'll be a load of people who will want to challenge because they don't want to share because they think, you know, where where did we build the world? And it, it, literally it's been going on for quite a long time now when I one person is top and no one shares. And it's not the fact that, um, you know, we're not talking about Stalinist principles and we're not talking about communism versus what's it. We are talking about the fact of being human and the fact that being human for most of our um, time on this earth has meant that if we didn't work together, we were dead. So my competition wasn't next door to me. You know, competition is essentially survival. And that's how your brain's been programmed. Because it's only the last 150 years that that economic survival units in evolution has been one person. Um, so how does that actually make so, you feel? To know those things. It, make, it makes sense to me, but then I'm... Um... I'm a big believer in community and I like socialism and I like the idea of, you know, sharing and small holdings and um, us all working together as a community for the greater good and that sort of thing. So it, make, that, it makes sense to me that while it's probably good to push yourself um, pitting against each other as if we're all coming from the same starting point feels slightly counterproductive because we're not. It is. And it's, and that's okay. We don't, don't need to. But be. if you look at every single business model that exists, it's all, it's all based on internal competition. You take partnership model in an accountancy firm, right? It pitches one set of partners against another to earn more. If I said every single organization has a sales team and they compensate them the same way, which is just to win themselves. Right. Um, and interestingly, you know, the one we were talking about, the American sports teams, guess what? Most American sports teams still only pay one person more than anyone else, because if they didn't, they would technically be undermining their own norms about individual competition and the American dream. There's this idea of this like star player. Yeah. And the guy that we all know about. Yeah, there are no individual heroes. No, and it's a really funny thing in in sports in particular, an idea of there being a star player goes against the whole idea of a team. Exactly. You know, yeah. and there are some sports that literally by the way they're constructed, you can't have a star player. So if you take netball, for example, right? In netball, the two people who can score goals can't move anywhere else on the court. So there are very specific places. So the only way the ball gets to the people who can shoot is by everyone working together. Um, it is possibly the most egalitarian sport there is out there. Very strange that it was devised by women and played mostly by women until recently. But it is purely, it's possibly the best example of a team sport and a highly competitive team sport. You should watch it. The World Cup has just been around recently for netball that does that it's i've always found it very very strange that right from the get-go because right at the beginning we talked about the fact that i do an exam by myself 
you know, and I failed by myself. So right from the very start of being at school, we teach people, not only is my competition me, that my, and I fail or win by myself, then therefore I don't share. And we teach it right from the beginning at school. So in, in the end, it's not surprising that the pervasive model we have of competition is you against me. Then you kind of go into businesses, right? And they are pitting you against each other whilst also sending you on team building exercises. Oh, I think that's hilarious. Because... So they're not... The messaging doesn't, no, it doesn't work. It's a very confusing messaging. You want me to go away and build a raft with these people who then on Monday morning I've got to beat again. Totally. Got to, you know, my numbers have got to be higher yeah. than theirs. I've got to have more billable hours. I've got to do whatever it is, but I've got to beat them yeah. to progress here. Yeah. And it's it's a function of patriarchal society where it's competition rules. Again, it's getting a bit noisy, isn't it? I don't know if it'll work or not, but we can carry on. Um, we, uh, but it's, I've always found it incredibly odd. And also then what happens in those sorts of teams or environments is someone who comes in, who's young, who's very good. The prevailing management don't like them because they feel threatened. Yes. I mean, this, this probably, yeah. ha this happened to me in my very, very first job. There was uh, a chap who ended up being the CEO of a global pharmaceutical company who was managed out by his third or fourth year in the company I was working in because he was too much of a threat. Okay. So they reduced their own competitiveness wow. as an organisation because they were too afraid of the talent and challenge coming up of someone who was really good. Okay. Well, of course you would, wouldn't you? Because my competition is me. And my competition is someone else, not our competition is for customers or, you know, perhaps we'd even look at global warming and other things differently if we st stood there and said, we've all got, which no one does, we've all got to survive on this planet. Not I've got to survive as me. As opposed to us. Yes, it's an us. Human beings will not be here in a couple of hundred years if we do not realise it's an us, not to me. And that might mean you as an individual get slightly less and you've been told you shouldn't ever get less. That's very strange. And very, if you look at a lot of indigenous populations, it's not about me having more than you. It's about us having a lot together. And Yes. There's, there was a TV show many, many, many years ago where um, some members of the a tribe from the Maasai Mara came to London. They were being shown around. And um, they were fascinated. There was at one particularly very funny scene where they were, one of them was, I think, actually almost like rolling around on the floor. They were both laughing really? so hard <laughs> the first time. Yeah, the first time they observed a man in London pick up dog poo. And they just found that hilarious. They couldn't understand why you were picking yeah. up dog poo. Yeah. They were just like, why, why is that man doing that? That's the craziest thing totally. we've ever seen in our lives. Um, but they are a... A community of, of people that you know uh, live and hunt and prosper and and don't prosper together um and they came across homeless people and they were incredibly confused mm. as to why 
there were homeless people, why these people were not given shelter. And they were saying to the the interviewer and the crew and things, why don't you open your home to them? Why don't you let them live with you? How do they not have a home? Mm. And how are you not sharing what you have? You know, we would never have someone who didn't just come and share what we have. The most basic and beautiful uh, confusion, I think, I I watched it when I was quite young, but it obviously really left a mark on me because it it seems like the simplest thing. Um, And they were so, it just was so alien to them. They couldn't get their heads around why these men and women didn't have a place to go and why nobody was offering them. No, because that whole concept is about community, not about individualism. And, you know, the the prevailing norms that we are grown we have grown up with and we perpetuate is it's me who matters. Or even if it's an us, right? But then that us could be I define not that I do, I define myself as English. So anyone not English is not us, so they can't have stuff, right? You know, it it's it's very strange to and this is why I'll always come back to competition actually kills. Because the way we've been taught to be competitive is internal with ourselves and with other people. So we don't let people in. We don't help people. We don't support people. Because apparently I'll have less. But if we all survive, then, and this is when it comes back to evolution, it's not about me. It's about our long-term future as a group of people. Your head is hardwired to look after you as a, as a we are here for what, 60, 70, maybe 80 years? That's nothing in 7.5 million years. But we've managed to destroy in the last 150 years, we've managed to do two things by creating competition as um, with myself and with the person next to me. A, we've done what's called the Anthropocene, which is human beings are having such an impact on the environment that we are changing the environment. So this epoch we live in is called the Anthropocene. And secondly, then, we do not share. We do not go, you know, if I've got enough, I should give it I should give it to someone else. I should share. Because we don't see them helping us survive. Which in the end they did. People survived together. This is why when you read books that are written, um I have to say writing systems have only been around for 5,000 years, but some of the books you write uh, and you read about societies when people shared a lot more. Let's say even back in the UK in the um, First and Second World War, it was about community, not about individual. I mean, there are certain things that you can do to bring people together, which are about if we don't all work together, we're not going to survive together. But that's only come about because we seem to have lost the fact that it's about everyone. And even on a business basis, can you imagine the competitive advantage you would have as an organization if your salespeople actually started to flip and share why they were great with someone else? You'd beat the competition because the competition is, the locus of competition shouldn't be internal, it should be external. I was minded about thinking about um what happened around me during COVID. So there was lots of stuff in the UK about people going and over shopping certain products. Yeah, I remember that. Lest they run out. 
And I remember weeks later seeing people, seeing in people's overflowing bins, unopened packets of, you know, fresh chicken Kievs and fresh salad and this and that and the other, just never opened, nope. being thrown Selfish. out. Just technically. Yeah. Really not thinking about the community. No, there was a very poignant yeah. photograph taken of an elderly man standing in front of just empty shelves with his shopping list that, you know, sort of made a lot of us just think, well, what are we doing? This is, this can't be how we're responding. No, but because people, I said, and the, all of what we talk about, Mahin, is all unconscious, right? So many people don't, and it's never actively brought up into consciousness. You never think about being competitive. I didn't. I only started to think about it over the past probably actually having worked in a netball team my whole life or done, I, I, it always did rub with me that the fact that we never shared and why didn't we share? Because this was just stupid. And when I've been a sales manager and a sales director and even an SVP, I've driven different models, but I've driven those to such an extent that then when it's successful, everyone goes, well, we can't do that. That won't work. That's because underneath, going back to the fact of why American sports teams still don't do what all their research says, is the fact that you're challenging a long-held societal norm, which is competition is good. And even in economics, where this first thing came, you know, Keynesian and other economics, it basically says in market economics that it works due to market demand and people make logical decisions. That has now been put to bed for a very long People, no one makes logical decision. You know, people will pay more for something because they choose to do it, not because of a, a market economic condition. People have huge biases in their head about how they buy stuff. So this fact that human beings are logical and logic, logics about competition is wrong. I never considered myself competitive, I have to be honest. And then I realized that I really am. But... It's when I'm playing games is when I'm when my competitive side okay. comes out. Um, I can't bear a person who cheats. I just think, stop, stop it. If you're going to win, win because you're the best at the thing at this moment mm. in time or you have the luck of the draw yeah. or whatever yeah. it is, right? Um, and I'm not a tantrum-y loser. I could get a bit grumpy <laughs> if, sometimes and I'm like... <laughs> Especially if I've made like a silly mistake. Ah, but then you know, that's if, I, if I just back to being perfect, because the thing about competition yeah. is it's about being perfect and winning. And if you're not winning against yourself, you're winning against someone else. So therefore, you're good. Right. Well, and I, I was, yeah, I was in a, I was, you know, have recently was was mm. um, introduced to an online rummy cub <laughs> game and. <laughs> more often than not I wouldn't win yeah um and I recognized that some of what was going on in my brain was I've got to win I've got to win I've got to win and so I was like getting really frustrated wow. during the game that you know I wasn't getting the right tiles or you know yeah. whatever it was and then I would have to have like five minutes at the end and I'd lost <laughs> again just have like a bit of a sulk I'm only 42 um have a bit of a sulk yeah. about it um but then when I play card mm. games with my um, my friends' children, my nieces, you know, whoever, children, mm. I'm very much encouraging of, you know, 
everyone pay, play fairly. It doesn't matter who wins. We're all just, this is meant to be a fun thing. But the nature of the game, the nature of somebody ultimately winning brings it, can br- brings it out in me, can yeah. bring out this really kind of, I don't have it at all in other areas of my life. That's really interesting because um, a game is also a different, has different parameters around it. You know, it, technically it's not life or death. You know, in the end, winning was about life or death. Right, so we survive or we don't survive. So this is this is just a place where that doesn't happen. But here's the thing: I was once working because I've, I've talked about these concepts a lot and done a lot of work with organisations, and I once remember working with a CEO, and um, he then flipping texted me on sometime on a late Sunday evening once and oh hell, what does he want now? Anyway, he said, "I'll get it. Get what? Bad competition," he says. And I think I'm getting it. And he'd been playing Halo, which is a first-person shooter game, with his son who'd been at university, and they'd obviously been online doing this. And um, his son had been giving him tips. And he said, Jason, why are you doing that? And he says, Dad, you really don't know, do you? He said, what? He says, it's you and me against the game, not you and me against each other. (laughs) He said, we win together. It's the game, not each other. And that's when he went, oh, my God. And if the game is survival... I'm playing this all wrong. Yeah, I'm playing this all wrong, right? Yeah. Um, but that was like one of those really true epiphany moments. It was... It, uh, he then structured what they were doing as an organisation completely differently. But that thing is you and me against the game. Why is it you and me against each other, Dad? <laughs> it's a... It's a lovely thing, isn't it? To it's a lovely thing to come together like that and play a game with your with a, of whoever it is and and have that moment where you're in a team together um in good spirit, you know. Well, that's because you're not seeing the competition the as the person you're working with and I do think your point right. of businesses and teams is really insightful because on one hand we tell them so it'll create what's called cognitive dissonance because on one hand you tell people work together as a team and the other time you say, well, they're, they're your competition for your next promotion or mm-hmm. more money or whatever. Yeah, partnership, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. It doesn't work. And when we look at ourselves as a family unit where you've got somebody who, you, you know, you divvy up the chores, you divvy up the tasks, you divvy up whatever it is, that's that's a team that's not in competition with each other. Each person is doing various things, hopefully, that make that a cohesive space and or relationship to be in and be part of. Yes, but it's... Away from competition, it wouldn't work at home. It's the greater things that are taught to us. Again, so we'll go back, you know, like we were talking about in the episode before about you being your own competition and people scaring you if you don't, don't win at whatever your own competition was. Here, we're, what we're talking about is the fact that the competition is in society that you are supposed to be able, as an individual, you're better than someone else, or you've got to, you, you work by yourself and you don't share. So, therefore, you don't share why something works, you don't collaborate, or you don't really. And it creates some really odd behaviors. So, if I work with a lot of um, senior boards, what's really funny is they'll say, oh, we all get on. 
And actually what they do is they all share the football scores or they all talk about teams and, and they like stuff. But what they then do is then go, as soon as they get into that space where they have to compete for budget, compete for budget for heaven's sake, right? In the end, shouldn't we be agreeing where is the best place for us to do this as an organisation? Not... I, I need to get more money out of Joe because Joe runs finance and I need more stuff for my marketing empire. Very different. And it's the way it shows up and how it limits our ability to shift and change and evolve. Because if I, my competition is you, I am going to lose focus on the fact that actually what's probably a bigger competition for all of us at the moment is everything from global warming to not being able to grow enough food. Let's talk about the individual competition when you're competing with yourself. That's really interesting. It's quite a different thing when you're always pushing against So here's you. the thing. Why do you think it, it, it's... Why is that competition? Why... why it, it, Why do people take on things like three peak challenges? Oh, that's or different. Everest so it, it's K two. Some or... of that is about who you are as a partner, which we talked about before. Is about risk. That's not about competition. Competition is about okay. you beating yourself up to be better all the time. Okay, so there's so there's a nuance there. It's not about you beating yourself. It's not about you overcoming procrastination or bad habits but think or... about that as the thing why is that competition you're already putting it in something which makes it combative instead of going mm -hmm. right if i need to change this about myself why am i now thinking if i can't that goes back to what we talked about last week which is if i can't do something i'm bad therefore i have to be in competition with myself to get better at it but the reason okay. you think you're bad is because someone told you you're bad and therefore, you have to be in competition with the fact that you're bad and you really should be good. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> All of those yeah. are things you've been told about yourself and told how to think about yourself. They are not. So if you want to change anything, that goes back to how you challenge yourself to sit in a space to feel. The fact that I, I've always had this thing is, um, and that's why I use, use, usually use the word amphitheatre, because we've programmed people to believe their competition is themselves. Why? There are certain people who want to run up mountains. Yay! Love them. Doesn't mean I want to. Nothing to do with no. me. If I, if I, <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. If I want to change something, that's something different. And that's not about competition. We'll come on to that. Because... If you want to change something, the, the, the little kernel of um, joy I'll put out there is you can't do it by yourself, so stop trying. You have to do it with other people who want to change what you're doing because human beings change as groups, not as individuals. So coming back to the fact that competition is, uh, you're told your competition is yourself, so therefore if you want to change something by yourself, you're all alone, is again insidious, nasty and very unhuman. So what do we do with this? What do we do with all this competition? This, this, you know, we're, we're built on it. Well, that's where I, I well, would... that's like this whole thing. You're only programmed that way. I'd just like you to think about the fact that every time you go and do this, is this? Have I been told 
that this is a competitive situation. And why am I being, why do I want to um, not share? Okay, whether it's knowledge or whether it's experience or whether it's money. What is the reason I am not doing that? Is usually, well, I'm, I'm fearful that if I don't have it, then I'm going to die. Really? Chicken Kievs, you didn't die, did you? But I think this particular episode is all about the wider things we're taught in society about what really is going on. And you eternally being competitive is not good. And it's not good for business. It's not good for anything. So the chap who, um, Berners-Lee, who built the World Wide Web, it's all his idea. He never IP'd it, he gave it. All of those organizations who now build on the back of them, and they're mostly American, all earn a lot of money on the fact that a British guy gave it, gave it away. I bet he's not unhappy. I don't know. I've never asked him. He'd be nice. I wonder if we could get him on the chat to him. He'd probably go, oh, um, I, I could have. But in the end, it wasn't about me. It's about us. I can't imagine how different the world would be if that's how we all felt. I think it's, for most of human evolution, we did. It's past 150, 200 years that's driven that into us. And we can change it if we choose. Do you think the introduction of currency has had a big part to play in it? <laughs> I'd, I'd go, this takes us down into a, an area about knowledge. I, I actually think, for me anyway, the biggest challenge is we monetize knowledge. It's not currency, it's knowledge. We turn something ephemeral, which is a conversation I'm having with you about how to do something, and we monetized it. I put it in something like a book and I sold it. And the fact that there started to be more wealth around. So they said it was this fact that, and again, we're only talking about less than 5,000 years. This is not human history. I don't know how many times I want to get this across. Just because your experience is X doesn't mean it's human, right? It's just X. It's just here and now. It's not about being human, right? This is not human. Human beings do things in a different way. We've just been told and indoctrinated that a dogma that this is how it is. So if I have knowledge, I sell it competition you've got to pay me for what i know really well we'd never have all survived would we well no not at all if only one person knew where the water was and that person was only the person who got water and wasn't person who cooked anything or went out and hunted for anything or helped look after stuff right we need to remember what some of the not just in the, the only way we can touch this sometimes is in indigenous populations or what, how they, some of the writing that we have from those periods in time, but even then that's done through a lens of mostly um, 18th century, so 1900s view of the world. So they put their own lens on it. So, for example, any woman who had any power in any tribe that they, it immediately got taken away when they wrote it up. And I don't mean I am taking aside men versus women. I'm just saying the men who wrote that, because women usually didn't go out and look at indigenous populations. It's like a chap called Samuel Hearn did a lot of research in what is now Canada and how indigenous populations came together, did things, hunted, you know, did were borderline hunter-gatherers. 
um, if you read his work, it's quite obvious that he's looking at it through a particular lens, which is, although the women can't really be doing that, because he's been taught to have a very particular model of how women are and how they work. I'm not sure where we ended up here. <laughs> but it, it's those, all I ever want for is just think. Ooh, sorry, that, that won't be able to get rid of that one. Just stop, just stop and think, right? Why are yeah. you doing this? Is it a choice you made? Are you doing it because it's something you've only ever been told? Stop. Everyone has a choice to stop. Is there anything about competition that's, positive if we come together as groups of people to achieve things yes but i don't think our competition is each other i think our competition at the moment is how we remember how to be human how we remove the top-down power structures that have been put in place in the past 150 years 200 years that's the limit to human beings' survival now. That's our biggest threat. And if we continue to see knowledge as just something for me and not to share and our competition's person next to me, we won't be around much longer. In human history, much longer, okay? Span of time, not, let's say, the next 200 years, right? We won't. Anything else you'd like to say? Oh, Competition crying. kills. Well, I just... Anything else you'd like oh, we, we really want to make sure no, we... No, apart from I just like you to... I, I think... So the only way any of these things are changed is if individuals then come together and decide to change it, build new models, do things in a new way, decide they're not going to be controlled, um, run your business in a different way, be brave. At the very beginning, we talked about there being some new research um, that was being done around competition. Sorry, that most of that's in the American sports analogies that we, uh, the American sports stuff, which we come on. But I think one thing that's really interesting is there are some companies now who are structured and run like this, um, and they make money and they do it really well. There's an in. So we can we can we'll cite that research in our show oh, notes. Oh, yeah, we can do it. And there's, a, like there's a company in the US who, um, the chap who's running, and I forget, I just remember it's based in Seattle and it's they were a payments organisation. And this chap woke up one day and suddenly realised that, although he earned a lot of money, most of the people who worked for him couldn't afford to live in Seattle. And therefore, Dan Price. Yes, yeah, that's it, that one. Brilliant. Love that. That he really, and yet... Everyone wanted him to fail because it was going against the American dream. There's another one recently. Um, there's an um, application, an app called uh, Chani, C-H-A-N-I, which is um, purely – so their structure, they're, they're one of the largest going, happens to be horoscopes or um, lots of people like that. In the end, they, they put it out. But the way they run what they do is – Everyone gets a living wage. The, the two ladies who built Amazing. it basically say that abundance isn't abundance if it's just for me. And they are one of the fastest growing apps in the US at this period in time. Wow. 
just takes people. So there's, there's a very. Sorry, I said it just takes someone to decide to do it differently. It doesn't mean you have to repeat the old models. And there's a real uptake on it. I think it speaks to all of us as individuals. I think, though, I think we understand that. We understand that we are familial. We understand that we're group. We understand that we are part of something, a society or whatever it is, but actually we're not alone. We're not meant to be alone. We don't thrive in that environment. And it's about time we stop telling everyone they did because it goes against yeah. who you really are as a person. And even in the small organisation we've started um, up, then I'm insistent, we're all insistent, actually, we all believe the same, that, um, you know, abundance should be for everyone what we do. I mean, we give a lot of what we do uh, away free as well. I really don't care. What I care about is the fact that you get a flipping choice about how you have been told to be in the world. So in the end, I suppose that's what it's about. You don't have to be competitive. It's your choice. Or you can look at competition in a way that you go and then go and behave differently. Right. And maybe one of the first things to do is examine if you have a, comp a competitive life or you are a competitive person, what impact is that having on your health? What impact is that having on your relationships? What impact is that having in your life? Is it making it better? Is it, yeah, and is it not? It's not that it you can't you? be competitive. What I'm saying is we're not competitive in a way that, as you said, is negative. You know, some people love competition. It's how they play. Yeah. It's not a societal way of being is the difference, I mm -hmm. think. Okay. Way. Thank you so much for your time again, And Ginny. you, and you, Mohim. We'll be here again next week, digging into some of more of these things. Absolutely. Um, putting power <laughs> back in people's hands. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on the journey with with me, with us. Well, you're the explorer, Marheen. I'm off. I'm bashing into the undergrowth of our brains. <laughs> and into all that programme, prodding around, gallivanting within that programming. What we want to do, as we've always done with this, is help you understand why you feel, the thoughts that you do, and then the behaviour behind that. So you have a choice of how you behave and who profits by it. And if it's not you, and it's not humankind, then stop and think and go, who's controlling? Who's behind my steering wheel? So I want to invite you back, whether you're on a walk, going for the train, on that commute, taking a bath even, cooking, driving a car, wherever you find yourself, come and find us. We will be waiting. <laughs>